two, one. From Boston, Massachusetts, to Adelaide, Australia, and everywhere in between, talking local and national sports, and just about anything discussed in the tavern. Broadcasting from South Lyon, Michigan, welcome to Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330 with your hosts, Rich and Tom. Good evening, everybody. My name is Tom. Uh, this is the Easy Speak podcast, and uh, we got a special one for you tonight. Obviously, we're going to talk Tigers. We're going to talk some NHL and NBA playoffs. Uh, and then our special guest, Matt Cowan. He's a former minor league baseball umpire and current Ironman athlete. Uh, he's got a really good story to share, and he's going to be kicking off our new segment called misunderstood and it's going to focus on men's mental health and different issues that you know men face on a daily basis uh obviously guys sometimes feel they they don't have enough gusto to really you know come out and acknowledge they have a problem so our goal is to try and help somebody in need if you know if that is the case tell them that they're not alone and maybe teach them that it's okay to come out and, and express themselves a little bit more than they normally would. So um, with that being said, we're going to bring on our co-host and uh shocker tonight, Rich Jasper. Wasn't sure if you were going to be here, but uh, <laughs> baseball, but uh, you showed up before the giant and uh, that was shocking. Good to have you, Rich. What's going on? Yeah. The, the baseball gods were not in our favors either. And I'm, I'm actually I'm kind of glad that we have a uh, a f- former um M I L B umpire so I can uh, either sit here and torch an umpire or <laughs> ask a question or two. So well, no, the, the, the gods weren't with us today, and uh, we'll be back on the field later this week, so it's no big deal. Well, that's good. That's good. Um... You know what that means. I wish I had my own. It's been a couple weeks. And no, his internet is not fixed. He's coming live from his iPhone. (laughs) Wow. What's up? What a sellout, dude. (laughs) Hey, Matt, have you ever took a 96-mile-an-hour walk-off fastball to the mat? (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, what a weekend! We'll we'll hit on that. I've got I've got the uh, the the video queued up. But did Haas really want to catch that ball? That that was interesting. Uh, I think one guy said slider, and the other one said slink, sinker. <laughs> That's probably yeah. they, they, their their communication button. They hit the wrong button. So and they, yeah. and they were and they buzzed the tower. Yes, they did for sure. So we'll start with that. Uh, the Tigers, man, you talk about a roller coaster. One weekend they're they're playing good ball and they're right in the middle of it all, and then by yep. the next weekend they're six seven games out of five hundred, and you know you got injuries abound, and that's just the way this team's gonna go. I that I see the young guys their their pitching was really good this weekend, and three runs all weekend, so that that's a huge problem. But um, we're gonna start with the injury, I guess the big one that this probably could affect most of the season, what I, what I would gather. Riley Green with the 
stress fracture. I was reading today that it wasn't as bad as they had originally thought. But, I mean, that's something you don't want to rush back. JP, how big of an impact is this injury for the Tigers? Yeah, so the injury itself is actually a stress reaction. It's the one step before the stress fracture. Uh, but, I mean, it's a huge injury. Uh, you watch you watch the games this weekend. I mean, you're hoping for a hit out of McKinstry or Baez or, you know, Torque. Had four, I think they had four guys in the lineup today under 200 batting average. <laughs> I mean, the three runs for the weekends, it just speaks for itself. I think he was their shining star, the bright spot to the team. So it's a crushing blow to lose him. Yeah. Rich, what what do you think? I mean, is is this something we're going to see with Riley Green? This is year two, and this is another, you know, pretty pretty big injury that it's missing time. Well, if you remember last week when we were discussing, you know, we were raving about how well he's really kind of kind of came into his own and he starts he starts stinging the ball and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, giving us some run support. And then this happens. And, you know, one of the things that we contributed last year with is his slow start, you know, because of his injury, you know, when he came back. So it's going to be tough to overcome that. But um, I mean, nobody expected them to compete for titles this year so oh, no no, no. Take, take the time you know don't rush back um we're not gonna win uh we're not gonna we're not gonna go and win the pennant this year or anything like that so let's just take a step yeah. just just don't be like oakland what do they got 14 wins all year which is pretty bad um, oh, Oakland doesn't care because they're like no, hey, we're they're, they're heading to sin city in a couple of years so no. the other injury the other injury we We've got hit with is Eduardo Rodriguez, a index finger on his throwing hand. That's never a good thing. I guess the the biggest issue here is the thought process is he's not going to be here by trade deadline. How much does this impact what value he might get? Rich, we'll start with you. It all, it all really it all depends on how his recovery goes. And what's amazing is everybody's like, oh, it's a finger injury. I, people outside of baseball really don't understand exactly how much pressure and force that pitchers put and mm-hmm. and torque and spin on the ball. And a lot of it just comes with wrist and fingers. Right. And I mean, it's, you know, you know, Matt could probably tell you from, he sees it from the other side of the dish. Right. But you know, you, you know, you, you, you squeeze harder on your index finger, the ball will move one way. If you squeeze harder out with your, middle finger, it'll go, you know, it, it'll, you'll tail the other way. So, you know, those injuries, those are things you just don't want to rush back on. So um, I, I think this right here, the, the value of him absolutely just plummets, you know, you know right now. Um, and they might have a hard time dealing them, or if they do deal them, they're not going to get what they, what they'd get if they were striking gold, you know, right now before yeah, J- his injury. JP, do you agree that, an injury to especially the, the index finger, finger, which, you know, a lot of your movement, a lot of your motion comes from that yeah. particular finger. Are, are we going to be seeing uh, Erod in a Tiger uniform after uh, the trade deadline? Yeah, so I was reading that the injury is actually common in bowlers and rock climbing, which is pretty odd. But uh, I think if any, I think I think if anything here, it makes it easier to trade them. With you with series with Arizona, Philly, and Atlanta coming up, they're going to be staring fifteen games under five hundred mm-hmm. dead in the face in no time. 
So you're not going to be. Especially the way Arizona has been playing. Yeah. And you're not going to be in the central race here soon. Uh, I I think it's easier now to dump all your assets and try to get what you can for him, especially with his option at the end of the year. And he's with a contending team. He'll be ready down the stretch. No problem. I think the injury is about six weeks. So I think I think it'll be easier to offload him because they're not going to they're not going to win these next three series. Yeah, you don't see that coming. Although they are nine and one against NL teams, but not this yeah. NL team. But um, but the but the return is not going to be. Yeah, I mean, what we hope, right? It, it yeah. it's definitely not going to be what we hoped it would be. Yeah, At this point, though, you just want something, though, you know. Yeah, true. Get something worth worthwhile. Don't get fleeced. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna show the don't show that the infamous. Uh, oh. Boom. And uh, yes, Matt is here, and and I'm sure he feels the pain very much. But my thing is, my thing here is, uh, how many times can you see the the Tigers lose a game in a unique fashion? And I think <laughs> I, I think this is about as unique as uh, you'll find. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what Oscar's Damn. even thinking there. I mean, <laughs> he didn't move his glove up until I just I don't know. And we've had conversations God about damn. <laughs> that's 96 miles an hour, bro. And that that's game winner. Walk off. Hey, you wonder you wonder if Hench had enough and the middle finger came from the dugout. That was the signal to the catcher. <laughs> you, and we're, we're gonna you never know. Um, I do want to ask Matt, and we're going to introduce everybody here, uh, Mr. Matt Cowan, everybody. Um, Matt, we're going to get into your story in a little bit later, but uh, being a representative of the Umpires Guild, we'll call it. Umpires Guild. Uh, have you ever had a situation similar? I know you probably didn't take one off the the, net, the noggin, but uh, have you ever had a situation where a deflection or something ever happened to uh, – where you felt it for a little while. Oh yeah, absolutely. I uh never any walk-offs, uh unfortunately like uh like Blazer did there, but uh I had probably I know when I was in the Midwest League, um I had seven headshots in the first uh first month of the season. Oh. Yeah. Um which was scary cuz we have protocol, we get hit, we have to go through concussion testing immediately. Um wow. I past every time nothing was um that bad like square to the face it was always glancing or caught the bottom of the mass and the mass pops off to help avoid direct impact but uh oh yeah i've had that i took 96 mile an hour fastball to the wrist catcher (laughs) catcher called slider out pitcher uh threw two seamer in and that uh yeah felt that one so i think i think that was Tom's that was Tom's polite way of asking you if you ever had a facial. <laughs> no, 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 we, we wouldn't. We wouldn't go there. We wouldn't go there. I, I do have to. I do have to uh, tell Matt here. Um, we have a fan of your your beard. Oh, yeah. The the perfect evolution of beard growth. Uh, apparently, um, Polar Knights from our Twitch feed is uh, dialing in. <laughs> I got. I got. What- I got one question for you before we get into the serious stuff. Have you ever been behind the dish and just had to unload one? Like, 
stomach, <laughs> stomach just rumbling like, man, I could really go to the can right now. Um, I mean, you have your fair share. Right? <laughs> um, there's times there. I mean, there's a saying in, in the triathlon world: you never trust a fart. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of live by that same thing yeah. uh, behind the dish, but it, uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a couple times, especially in spring training, because you have a lot of uh, a lot of the minor league athletes all playing around different squads. And yeah, you, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> it's it's big big with their, their protein drinks and all that. That's so, all again. I'll go behind the catcher and we'll start to get squared up and get ready. Catcher in motion, catcher squats down, scoots over, and just launches one. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> you cut it with a butter knife. You can cut it with a butter knife. Exactly. Like, dude, at least give me a warning. Oh. You're like, call time and go talk to your pitcher or something, or like walk. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah. So then we had battles back and forth. I had a catcher. Time. Yeah. Was that you? <laughs> so this this would this would constitute a a. Uh, uh-huh. I am not shocked uh, that a question like that came from uh, no. JP. That that's that, one, a, that one's really been burning my burning my ass all week. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Uh, no Thank you. That that question was uh, hey. I was waiting for it from JP. <laughs> tip, tip tip of the cap to you. <laughs> so, oh man! Yeah. Oh man! So, um, back to the Tigers as much as we really don't want to say a whole lot about them. Um, they had a really nice pitching performance all weekend, we'll say, except for the ninth inning today. Yeah. Um, you don't bring a closer in in a non-closer situation, but never, never, whatever. Um. Uh, Olsen, that kid on Friday night, comes up, pitches five no-hit innings of baseball. I wasn't watching. I was at Dirk Bentley, so I was getting the updates from you guys. Yeah. Um, Rich, what did you see in this kid that gives you hope? Well, I'll just say he was he was throwing he was throwing darts. I mean, everything he threw was uh, was on target. His his, I mean, his off-speed and his breaking stuff was absolutely filthy. I mean, the movement that that he put on uh, his breaking ball would drop right off the table. Uh, his slider, I think it was a slider or his two seam, was and his two seam. I mean, everything that he threw that was off-speed or something that was designed to move in and out of the zone, it moved in and out of the zone. Late break on the two seam. Tailing in to the uh, to the to the right handers, it was it was great. So JP, I know we were texting right around the end of the fifth, seeing he was going to come out for the sixth. What do you think Chicago saw that maybe got to him at in that sixth inning, gave up two runs? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, first start in the bigs, they probably didn't have a very good idea of who he was, no. but. Uh, like Rich said, though, you know, he was mixing his off-speed stuff with his fastballs really good. Uh, he looked like he played on Rich's son's high school baseball team, literally, in the face. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think they just – I think, you know, third time through the lineup, you, you start you, you start to figure a guy out. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you look back last year, a guy like Bo Brisky who came up, 
Yeah. First couple starts, he was he was dynamite. And then once there was a little bit more game tape on him, they figured him out. But, you know, yeah. I think he's got a nice promising future. Um, another injury before we uh, move on to the next topic. Um, Fiedo goes down on the IL again. Yeah. He announced that today. So there's another pitcher that just hasn't been able to stay healthy. They just they keep lining up. They've got all the talent in the world. But uh, the injury bug just doesn't seem to quit uh, for the Tigers. But did you see uh, Eric Scoobel had his first assignment today in West Michigan? So yeah, his, maybe we'll get him back soon. His second inning, yeah. he threw uh, seven pitches. I think he got through the first inning and yeah. five. So it, um, you know, you don't want to rush him back. There's no reason for that. So, Twelve pitches, ten strikes. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty efficient. But uh, yeah, from some negative news to a little bit of positive news here in the city of Detroit. That isn't the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Pistons went out and backed the Brinks truck up to Monty Williams' garage. Six years, $78.5 million. Uh, but I think we were talking, JP, it could be up to $100 million if in, in eight years if he stays that long. Mm -hmm. I'll start with you. Is this overkill for a coach or is it a situation where uh t-shirt tom gore has just had to get the right guy for the for this job i think it's just desperation obviously they floated him a deal that wasn't good enough and you look at the deal he's he's 500 grand ahead of pop which who's in second uh he's about four grand ahead of steve kerr who has multiple rings and he's about five grand ahead of Eric Spolstra, who has multiple rings. I think here you just had to pay the Detroit tax to get somebody to come here. You know what I mean? But it's a good move. It shows that Gores is serious about winning Finally. because they've, they've stunk for a while. I don't think they've made – they made the playoffs in, what, 2016? And got swept by Cleveland. Yeah. It was ugly. So maybe hopefully something else to follow. But, I mean, hey, if he, I don't think that's a lot of money to Tom Gores, so – well, it's not it's not going towards the team per se, towards players. So, right. and, you, and you you look at the the highest paid player is Bogdanovich, he makes 20. And mm -hmm. then your your oldest player on the team is 25 and Marvin Bagley the third. So, it's a young talent. It's a young roster. Rich, uh, they've got the the five the fifth pick here this year. Is is Monty Williams a coach that should be able to, you know, get these guys I don't know, motivated? Are you going to be able to turn the right screws to to get them where they need to be? <laughs> well, I hate to be like a negative Nancy on this one, but I, we all thought that when they hired uh, Casey. We are like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. Just come, you know, coming off a championship, yeah. and, mm -hmm. oh, we got a young nucleus coming in, and he absolutely shit the bed. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely he did. shit the bed. And he had, I mean, it, he, had ta he had talent around him. He just he shit the bed. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, coach selection and everything like that, yeah, okay, so he, what, 2022, he won coach of the year. Mm -hmm. Okay, does, hey, hey, thank you. Great job. It does nothing for us. Right. Okay. Well, well the you, you got to think, though, he has, the, the, the Suns had a better roster than what we have. I mean, it's there. They won 19 so, games the year before he, he, you know, he, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, so he did that, but he had a, he had a roster, you know, he yeah, had true. the roster. Not so, really. 
We had a halftime Cade Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody at the time, though, nobody know, knew who Devin Booker was or DeAndre Ayton. You know, he started out with a young roster just like he is here, just like he did in New Orleans when he took over. No, I, I mean, coaching comes – I mean, coaching is a big factor in it, but right. – to, to to pay the guy seventy eight million dollars and then over the course of the deal up to a hundred million dollars, yeah. I, I think it's excessive. Yeah, but I think it's, it's, very, it's a risk. It's a risk. I think too. It's like you're paying him. You're paying him more money for a guy that's actually performing on the court. You know, half these guys are Whoa. like, like this dude. This guy, he should be buying my lunch and breakfast every day on the road trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the way of the NBA now, rings are won by super teams. Yeah, yeah. And Detroit's not a market for a super team. But at I guess mo- that's at, my next question. At, at, the, at this moment, at this moment, we're not. That yeah. leads to my, my next question: Is is Williams a, a big enough name to where he might be able to draw some, you know, middle of the road type free agents that could help these young guys? I, I went back and looked at his track record, and he's. I mean, the only notable one that he's ever really drawn, per se, was Chris Paul, and that was, you know, that was a that's an older that's an older vet that you get to kind of glue that young team together. And that's probably uh, what but, they need here. Yeah, I think he's he's brought in to do what he, he's going to do. He's running a daycare center. They're the youngest team in the NBA, and he's brought in to develop that team. I don't th- know if they're going to draw. I, I mean, Russell Westbrook, maybe. You know, I don't. I don't know. Can't. I know Cam Johnson's unrestricted free a restricted free agent at the end of the year, and I know he did a lot of good things in Brooklyn, and Monty was had a lot to do with his success. So maybe that could be a guy. Yeah. Well, but, you, uh, you you want somebody that's going to be able to kind of teach these guys how to win in the NBA and, and right th- th- get that culture changed. You know, kind of like they did in Allen Park. Go for go figure. We never thought we'd ever say that, but um, you know. Yeah. Gores did what listen to the fans. He did the right thing. And you know, who knows? We'll see. So yeah. we are gonna switch gears here and we're gonna we're gonna briefly hit on the Stanley Cup final. Game one was last night. Uh the game was really solid until that third period, and uh Vegas got a goal and then it, the the rails kind of fell off and Florida <laughs> kind of they, they, they just didn't have it. So this uh, is a great matchup of, of two storied franchises. <laughs> said nobody <yes>. ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, said nobody ever. Um, we had we had a really, really good uh matchup, we'll say, between two really good goalies and um Bobrovsky, who had a slight edge going into this game, looked good at times, but then kind of fell apart in that third period. Do you think that that will be a theme moving into the next round or the next game tomorrow night? No, I think they'll settle. And normally first games uh, is kind of like a feeling out process between the two teams. Um, I think the Panthers were maybe kind of a a little bit um, off because of their uh, their break you know they had all that time off between uh you know the sweep of uh carolina and then uh the uh uh jesus man i'm having like a brain fart here but the golden knights i mean they were an absolute war and a dog fight with the stars right so uh, they were not far removed from the game like as the um 
Panthers were, but those saves, yeah, I mean, uh, that that save that uh, happened on that day, I forgot who um, I forgot who shot the puck. I think it was Cousins. I think. Yeah, it, it was Cousins. Yeah, I think it was Cousins, and then uh, the paddle came out. It was almost kind of like when Tuck got uh, uh, stuffed by uh, Braden Holtby with last time that they were in the finals. Yeah, they they actually kept showing that over and over again. Um, this save was just I. I don't think Cousins really expected that paddle to come down. So he just, instead of really pushing up, I don't know. I mean, incredible. Going the other way to get that, to get that, that, that arm out there to make that save. Uh, there Matt, you go. What, what do you think about this game? Uh, was it a situation of Vegas having that home ice advantage, that ruckus crowd? Um, you think that was the edge? Uh, definitely a little bit. Um, I mean, I think uh, Vegas is a little stronger up front than uh, Florida uh, to begin with. But uh, I think Florida was a little uh, – I mean, they had a much longer break than uh, than Vegas as well. Um, but uh, I think it's just uh, uh, what I think it was Rich said, you know, getting uh, – settling in with the nerves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think uh, Bob will be good, settle in a little bit. And I think game two will be a little bit better, but uh, hopefully they don't fall apart in the third like they did in game one. I, I yeah. like, I I liked how it started, real chippy. Uh, oh, yeah. What was within ten minutes? I thought I thought we were going to have a goalie fight. Uh, so I I think the the Panthers were trying to really you know instill themselves and show Vegas that they belonged, but they kind of shied away from that as the game went on. Is that some kind of a play that? you think they're going to have to continue to be successful? I think Florida needs to reel it in a little bit uh, in terms of like um, just their, their, their after the whistle aggressiveness. I mean, even in the, the third there, I think uh, Florida got two or three misconducts mm -hmm. um, at the end. I mean, obviously there's only four minutes left at that time, so it didn't really hurt anything, but uh, <laughs> the game was um, pretty much it. Yeah. Um, but if, if Vegas sees that and takes that, and uses that uh, to their advantage and just keeps poking because Chuck's a, uh, a hothead. So you it'll, and uh, you can so. get under his skin, and uh, when that when that mouth guard is, is outside of his mouth, you never know what's going to happen. Um, Rich, do you think that this is a situation where you have a, a team that no one ever thought they were going to get there, and now the lights are really bright, and they're just. You know, kind of like our Tigers in 2006. You know, that yeah, they they had a week off. Um, the momentum kind of went kaputs, and then when when the game started to go, they kind of you know they're what got them there changed a little bit. Yeah, I think when you uh, you know when you look at it from that perspective, and <clears throat> I mean in the introductions, I, if you guys watched the beginning of the game, they did the player introductions. I think probably one of the youngest guys in the starting and just in the starting lineup that was introduced, I think like the uh, least amount of years of service was six. Everybody else. I mean, Petter Angelo has a ton of, I mean, these guys, it's, it's not like it's a fresh team. I mean, these guys are very well seasoned. They've been around, they've played. Um, I think honestly, nobody even thought that Florida would have made it as far as they did just based off of what they're, uh, what the regular season record was, but you look at that roster and that roster is deep. 
Mm. You know, and and I'll tell you right now, Las Vegas is the same way. I mean, they, they, they're both very, very solid defensively and very gritty teams. I'll say that. Very gritty. What Eric, Eric Stahl had won a cup in what 2006 with the with the Hurricane, and he's yeah. on he's on you know Florida. So with his with his brother Mark, right? Right. Former. There's what three former Red Wings on uh, the the roster for the Panthers. Go figure. There. Yeah. So I'll go. I'll stick with you, Rich. Tell me, Florida wins the series. Why? What would take for them to win it? Um. I, they need to get better play on the back end from Bob, and I think he'll turn that around after uh, after last night. Um, they they got to play their game right. They got to play their gritty game. Uh, to Chuck's got to get underneath some skin, right? Draw some penalties um, and just and play tough. Uh, that's kind of one of the keys that is going to be for them winning the series. And then for uh, Vegas, obviously, it's stopped. It stopped uh, to stop the uh, the Chuck from getting under their skin, making them take dumb penalties, putting themselves behind the hole. Um, Aiden Hill needs to keep playing the way he's playing. I mean, he's been playing unbelievable. Um, um, Jack Eichel, I'd love to see him win a cup. Uh, all the you know, all everything he's gone through. I mean, damn, he said out nearly almost the entire season last year be, just because he was in a feud with his uh, employer because awesome. he wanted an elective surgery and, and they wouldn't allow him to get it. So mm-hmm. um, then he got a surgery and then look at him and next yeah. year he, he's, he's in the Stanley cup final. So I, you know, hopefully he wins that. I mean, I personally would like to see Las Vegas win it because I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, I, I, one of the newer teams, expansion teams, I mean, outside of, you know Seattle, right? They come in and they and they win a cup, say within the first what decade that they've yeah. been been around. So five years. Yeah, I think it'd be great. So I'll swing it over to you, Matt. Um, Vegas wins this series. Why? I mean, if uh, if they can keep it up and uh, pretty much keep game one going, I mean, they capitalized on power plays. They they got under Florida skin. Um, obviously, again, the at the end, there's three or four misconducts just alone and if if uh i mean and that's huge i mean you're talking about the biggest series and uh one of the the most prized trophies in all of sports mm-hmm. on the line um there's only six more games to go so if uh you know if, if vegas can keep that and, and keep the pressure on on uh, on florida they're gonna have a hard time um with with bob staying uh on top of everything and and he needs that support obviously from 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 the front, uh, front end to get the goals, but they need to capitalize on those power plays to, and, and stay out of the box if they're going to do it. But if Vegas keeps the pressure going, they'll they'll definitely take that series. And then Florida, what's it going to take for them? Stay out of the box. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we said, I mean, um, they they have their 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 hotheads that are are very crucial obviously you know the the uh um the, that's a big part of hockey obviously mm-hmm. you know um your enforcers and the, the ones to <clears throat> to poke and try and draw the penalties but you know um hopefully they can find that fine line you know of when to stop try to draw the penalty but not get one themselves right um because obviously that's the 
that's the name of the game. But mm-hmm. if, if you can't stay out of the box and, and you can't do it, uh, you're not going to win. No, you know? that's for sure. So. That's for sure. And uh, I'm going to bring JP in here and just ask him one simple question. Are you watching any of these playoffs, any of this uh, Stanley Cup run? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's honest. No. That, that, that's good. That That is the answer. I was looking. Oh, and he just uh, he removed himself. So, um, but yeah, no, it's. I think Florida got kind of caught up in the moment. And like you said, Matt, they're going to have to reel it back and uh, find a way to just kind of hold their composure. And I think they got a good coach that'll be able to, to get them in. I, you know, having Bobrovsky back there and, you know, I think that right there says a lot helping a team. You know, when you have that, that knowing that you have a, a world goalie back there, that's going to help you out. So um, I think this thing's going to go with seven. I'll say Vegas in seven just because, I mean, I want to see it go seven because it's great. Welcome back, JP. I don't know what happened. You just maybe had a landmine come out and it threw your yeah. phone out. So we're uh, we're going to go to the other big, big time topic heading the uh, sports pages these days. It's the uh, the NBA finals. Uh, boy, uh, Denver sure didn't. Uh, hurt themselves with their week and a half they had out they had uh between game four and game one of the 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 finals here they go ahead and win game one uh 104 93 Jokic, he's a triple double machine i mean he's just he's a robot out there i don't think anyone can cover him uh and then you look over on the other side Miami's going to have a hard time winning any game when Butler scores 13. Uh, JP, we'll start with you. Uh, what were your what were your thoughts of game one? Uh, is it what you expected, or did, did Denver just come out a lot better and a lot more refreshed? It's kind of what I expected. Denver hasn't lost a game at home in this playoffs. Uh, I don't think that Miami necessarily has the team to compete with them especially when Caleb Martin scores three points and he was your guy last round. And like you said, Butler, I don't know, has kind of just disappeared in the last few games, but it's just, it's just too much. I mean, you try to you try to double Jokic, you try to triple Jokic. They got all the shooters. It, it, Murray's lighting it up. Uh, it, it's just too much. I think it's going to be too much for Miami. I'm interested to see what they do to rebuttal the night, but uh, it's pretty much on par with what I expected. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Martin coming into this series, he was the X factor I was looking at. Look what yeah. he did! Look what he did in games, uh, game seven in Boston. He was unstoppable. He was able to pretty much win that game single handedly for Miami. And like you said, when he's, only, when he's only scoring three points. And and That's Butler's good. only scoring thirteen. We're there's good they're in big trouble. They're in big trouble out there. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Butler has to be absolutely dominant for them to have a chance. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Jokic. I, I don't know if the NBA has seen anything like him. You can look no. at players like uh, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, Luka Doncic. Uh, they were fundamentally sound basketball players could play anywhere on the floor 
this guy just he's a bulldozer and he can shoot and the way he can pass it is is he the best player in the world right now i think so i think you have to say so it'd be between him and Giannis for me but uh I mean, it's just absurd for a guy like him who's 28, already has 15 triple-doubles in the playoffs. Uh, he's basically averaging one in these playoffs. Yep. I think uh, Magic Johnson has 30 and LeBron has 28, so he'll probably catch those guys. But it's just he's a do-it-all kind of guy, and you've never seen a guy at that size that can, you know, you double him, he find, he's finding guys. He's, he's almost a pass-first center. It's pretty crazy. He can shoot from the outside. He, he's definitely the best player in the world. He's he's the biggest X factor in any sport, if you ask me. Well, if you go back, way back, when when Magic was, you know, when he had his run with the Lakers, you know, he played center. He, play, he played every position yeah. on the floor. And he was carrying the ball up the court. Jokic yep. was, was running the point for a good portion of that game. I mean, that just shows you the confidence they have in him yeah. and his ability to distribute the ball. And and kind of pull those bigs out of the paint, which gives opportunities for everybody else to get down there and the and and you know drive the lane and whatnot, and then also free up for a lot of threes. Murray's just a three machine, so yeah, he's been awesome. Miami was really flat. Obviously, they played a really tough series, and yeah. you look at the altitude situation, quite drastic between Miami and and Denver. Uh, it's been said time and time again the difference. Is this a situation where Miami just kind of lost their legs halfway through this game? I mean, it can be. Uh, the game, the final score wasn't even an indication of how big of a blowout it really was. I mean, it's it's a problem. Uh, but basketball is a continuous sport, you know what I mean? It's nonstop running. So I, I would guess if you're not conditioned in that environment that it would be pretty tough to get around. And then, you know, they're the only second eight seed in the history of the game to make the final. So maybe they're yeah. playing with house money. Maybe that money's running out a little bit, a little yeah. foreshadowing for our uh, segment coming up here. Today. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I think it's clear cut for me why Denver would win this series. It's it's Jokic, and you hope to stop everybody else around them. I don't know if you can. I don't yeah. know if Miami can. Um, give me a scenario where Miami actually comes out with the win here. I think that for Miami to win, I think Michael Porter Jr. and I think Murray are going to have to go cold because that's a lot of their offense right now. I think Miami's going to have to go super hot. Uh, they're going to have to outshoot them from the three-point line, and that's pretty much the only scenario where I think Miami would have a chance is where they outshoot them from the, the three-point line. And they can get some stops down the stretch, but it, they're just Denver's such a tough offense to stop. Yeah, I mean, and 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 they're deep, and their bench yeah. is really strong, and, and and I think that's where Miami kind of fell flat. Even in the Boston series, their their bench, it, it it didn't carry him. Duncan Robinson, if he wasn't hitting threes, it it the the series kind of went with his yeah. his ability to shoot. Game six, he he wasn't hitting anything. They lose. Game seven, he hit some big shots. They win. So I for me it's 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 the bench play. It's the bench play. And and if the bench doesn't show up for Miami, this could be a sweep, maybe yeah. five. Uh give me a number here. Who's gonna win and win uh how many games? I got Denver. I got Denver in five. 
Yeah, I I think Miami take Miami. I think Miami's going to win a home game, but it, I got Denver in five, and I was even I was even thinking maybe a sweep. Oh, I mean, if they were hitting everything the other night, it, it, yeah, who knows? Who knows how this is going to go? But I, I think Denver wins. I I I like the five. I, they're just too strong. I think they've got yeah. they've got the better team clearly. So, um. Uh, we got uh, Denver and four. Yeah, you know it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. It it just really wouldn't. They're they're just so built differently. So, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So we're gonna move on here, and we're gonna bring on Matt back in for the reason why we brought him on. Uh, obviously, to talk a little hockey and Tigers too. Um, but we're starting a new series here. Like I said at the beginning. Um, men's men's mental health mental health in general is kind of on the the forefront of a lot of people's minds i think the the stigma with with a lot of guys is I, i'm strong you know and it can't happen to me and and the reality is you're not and and it's okay so the the, the point of of this series is just to kind of you know lift up some men lift up their spirits and and help out as much as we can and talk about stories of inspiration like we have with Matt here today. Um, Matt, you know, we're going to let him talk, tell his story about his weight loss journey and, you know, what it took to get him to get to that point where he needed to make a change. So I'll bring you back in here, Matt. Thank you so much for, for joining us today and being a part of this. I know I've been really excited to have you on and, and, um, you know, we did mention earlier you were a minor league umpire and you were going to Wendelstedt's camp yeah. and something was said to you that kind of triggered change. Yeah. A um, little background. Um, coming out of uh, high school in uh, into college, lost my dad in 08. Um, and I actually had the same doctor as my dad. So after he passed, um, my doctor pretty much told me, he goes, do you miss your dad? I said, yeah, I'd miss him a lot. It was me too. We always joked around with each other. But if you continue on the path you're going, uh, you'll see him sooner than you think. Mm. And um, That's powerful. It, <laughs> bet your ass it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it made me realize a lot. Um, you know, so I had thought at that point I was – in college umpire in college baseball and high school time and something just hit and i said you know what i think i want to follow the umpire dream um that's what i shared with my dad as a passion um that's where i learned everything from when i was little i was playing 11 12 year old uh youth ball umpiring the nine 10 year olds you know <laughs> so i just kept doing that moving up and that's the you know, that, that's when I decided, you know, I need, one, I need to lose weight, but I knew if I wanted to even pursue that, I needed to get healthy, but uh, health overall, you know, to to do that. So um, I started the, the weight loss journey um, to tackle that. So it was uh, about two, two and a half years before I went to umpire school to, um, to start that that career so and you tell us a little bit about the, the the camp that you attended yeah um harry wendelstead umpire school in uh 
Ormond Beach, Florida. Um, it's the best school to go to. Um, but it was it's five weeks, five weeks long. Um, they literally teach you everything about umpiring, um, how to properly take your mask off with the indicator in your hand, and in five weeks you're umpiring a whole game. You mm. know, so it's 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 a crunch. You know, and some of the uh, some of the guys that do the best there are ones that have never umpired before. Hmm. Because they, they they have no expectations. Exactly, they have no clean slate. They have no bad habits to break. Mm. Um, I was fortunate enough that before I went to school, I was working in college baseball with guys that worked in the pros. So I had already kind of head start had had a head start on certain positioning and little um, differences from, shall I say, amateur umpiring to the professional side because yeah. some of the mechanics and everything are a little bit different on sure. how they want things done. So. Um, it wasn't too much of a, a change for, for me at umpire school. But uh, like I said five weeks, and they, they start bare bones, and they cover the whole rule book. We had a test every day. Um, so it, it was it was a grind, but it was a, it was a lot of fun. And you did that – did you do that for two years? Or? I did. The, uh, the first year I went down, I was um, probably 250-ish, and um, I did great, did well. I was uh, probably the top third of the class, just missed the cut. And they said, Matt, look, we, wanna, we want you to come back the next year. Um, you did great, um, but you're still a little on the heavier side from what minor league baseball wants. Because um, there was two schools that you'd go to, and then they would send their top guys to the evaluation course um, that was put on by minor league baseball. So – they go, look, if we send you, you're almost not going to get accepted immediately. So try and drop a little bit more weight and come back next year. And that's what I did. I dropped some. I went back. I was about 205. Um, and what's funny is there's three umpires that are in the big leagues right now. One of them's Hunter Wendelstedt. The other's uh, Junior Valentine. He goes, Matt Cowan. He goes, why does that name sound familiar? He goes, he was here last year. Hmm. He goes, no, he wasn't. He goes, yeah, that's, he goes, the same guy? That's the, the same Matt from last year? He goes, yeah. He goes, holy shit. It's <laughs> a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they had said the, throughout, you know, kind of the whole camp that I was almost a shoe-in. Um, I perfected everything that summer. Um, the previous year, I'd worked in Northwoods, uh, Northwoods League, which summer college would bat. And we were all young, aspiring minor league umpires. So we worked with each other, um, just perfected everything we learned at umpire school the previous year, went back, and it was. You knew what to expect. You knew what to expect. So you had the kind of one up on everybody else with the other experience. Um, Rich, I know you had a situation today in your (laughs) your game. so I know we spoke pre pre show, but uh, go ahead and talk about the experience that you had, just to show that you know umpires are they're they're put under a lot of pressure. The reality is, and and not only from players but from coaches and parents. Yeah, first I want to say, Matt, thanks for coming on the show and 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 talking about your journey, especially. I mean, let's outside of you know going and pursuing your dream of being a in a in a an umpire in minor league baseball 
but your your journey through of transformation of yourself from being somebody who was unhealthy and making that decision to um to make that change you know and uh you and i i mean we're kind of similar i i lost my dad in in 09 um so yeah so i mean i can kind of relate a little bit with you on that especially being even though i think i was uh i was 30 when it happened i was just i was 29 almost 30 but but yeah today baseball i mean i have both boys my both my sons played uh you know travel baseball high school baseball and um I, you know it's kind of i mean we're all human right and that's what people need to really understand is we're we're human uh, we will make mistakes right and umpires are the same you know they'll make mistakes that you know but it's how they how they handle the mistakes that they make and how they over how they I guess overcome and maybe correct themselves on it, but I'm not going to go into the long story of it. But it was, <laughs> it was just a, uh, it was just dumb. It was absolutely <laughs> dumb, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there were some infield fly rules that probably oh. shouldn't have been called. Um, yes, that's really what it was, and it's just you know you look at it now and. You kind of laugh at it, but you know, I, but you know what I will, I will say this and I didn't say this in the pre-show or anything like that at the end of the game, when it was over, that field umpire came up to me and said, Hey, he goes, I blew that call. And he goes, and I'm sorry. And that right there, I mean, it, it, it it's easy to make an error and then just be mad about it or the way it was. That guy had three innings. He thought about it for three innings. The game was over, came up, shook my hand and said, Hey, I, I messed up. I apologize. And he goes, and I know that changed the outcome of the game because, uh, it, you want to, it's like popping a balloon, uh, for those kids. Um, they get upset, you know, it's, you got a balloon, you're on a high and you're, you're rallying. And then somebody comes and pops that balloon and you're just like, you cry, you know, so it is what it is, but you know, that's it. You kind of, you know, you, I try not to be hard on umpires because, a, there's people don't want to people don't want to go down that route because you don't get paid enough to deal with the the bullshit. That, that's that's for damn sure. Uh, if you're going there and you're getting fifty five dollars, they sit there and get heckled and yelled at by uh, Jimmy Joe's dad over in the corner who just got done reading a uh, you know reading a rule book. Um, or rich coach in third. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or you got or you got rich coach in third. And I told the boys, I'm like, hey guys, I said. I only know one of the signs because I coach first base. So I know the steal sign, everything else. This is what I, I want you. If I do this, I want you to, I want you to attack and hit the ball. Here's if the I touch my nose, Hey, if I touch my nose, <laughs> if I touch my nose, I just, I want you guys to take a pitch. And if I touch the bill of my hat, <laughs> run like hell. And, uh, and that's pretty much what I told him. I said, you know, because the only thing I have over on my side of the thing, all I look at is make sure that the kid gets the sign to steal. That's it. That's yeah. all I care about because I don't want to be like the guy over at first base getting yelled at by the head coach. Like, dude, how, why didn't you tell him to go? Why didn't you tell him to go? So I say, here's my sign. Hit. <laughs> Watch a pitch, steal. That's all I did. So, <laughs> one, one thing I will say that um, I'm glad you had mentioned it. One thing that I've kind of realized as is an umpire that truly cares in most cases, cares about what 
and how they perform on the field is the umpire that will admit their mistakes. Um, yeah. I mean, it happened multiple times in my career um, in professional baseball. I mean, you, you have a, a one-two pitch that's, you know, curveball something, slider on the on the corner, and you ball it. And you're like, shit. <laughs> and, catch yeah. and you tell him, you're like, yeah, that one's on me. He goes, all right, just, you know, as long as you know. Next one, he yeah. hit, scores a run. That was on me, you know, but yeah. ones that like that basement bar that comes up and admits it, like, yeah, I messed up. Um, good for him. Yeah, um, that yeah. Like, me, like Jim Joyce. <laughs> right. Um, that, that to me, that speaks, you know, volumes for he's for still that. he's still crying about that, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so after obviously after your your experiences at the at the school, you you picked up you get, you know, you go on with your career. I saw you when you were umping a, a game, a series in West Michigan. That was the coldest, yeah. coldest day. I, I think, oh, I, I think I was one of what eight people in this day probably <laughs> but uh what I, what year was that it, it was 18, 18 i think i think it was 18 that yeah. like april of 2018 it was in what comstock park the, yep. the west michigan uh whatever they are yeah. um, white caps white caps white, 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 white caps um but tell us about Self, your your self-proclaimed tiger fan. Yeah, I don't know. I'm you know <laughs> big moment, okay. Give me a break. Um, tell us a little bit about your experiences on the road. You know, you were newly married. Um, what what were some of the challenges that you faced that maybe kind of threw you for a loop? Um, for not really traveling before. Um, that is a lot to get used to. Um, rookie ball is pretty cool because for the most part you're in. Um, I was in Arizona, so we were all we were all centrally centrally located in Phoenix. We all had rental cars, but we all stayed at the same hotel, so it was just a a constant party every night. Um, you know, with frat boys, so to speak. <laughs> um, so it, it was it was a blast. But um, after that, once you get into your short seasons, it's you, your partner, you get a rental car and that's it. So you, and you're in the same hotel room, you're, you're splitting a, a, a double. So there's a lot of learning there, you know? So a lot of kids go uh, 18 to 21 is when they go to umpire school and then they get in. So they don't have these life experiences. Mm. Um, I was a little bit older. I was 24, but I still didn't really have those life experiences. You're still so young. Sure. Um, but to live out of a suitcase for four months in rookie ball and short season and then getting into, at the time, low A, they've restructured things now, but low A started your first full season, and now you get your own hotel room. Now it's seven months. You have spring for a month, and then your, your five- to six-month season. Um, it's It's different. You know, um, going to work, coming home to your hotel room, and no one's there. You know, um, no nobody's. You don't have family. You don't have your your wife, your yeah. kids, well, anyone to to go home to. That had to have been a big adjustment. It was. It was because uh, I was still dating Emily at the time in the the early um, seasons. You know, so um, we would talk, but 
you don't have them there you know mm-hmm. so it was it was it was a, an adjustment for sure um yeah. food and diet is a was a huge thing you know we'd get meals uh at the ballpark after the game but um breakfast sometimes at hotels but you were on your own for lunch so mm. you have that and um trying to just adjust you know it is on the road is is very tough especially when you're we're held under such a microscope we're actually held to the same uh um, drug testing standards as players were mm. you know so if we tested positive for a ped <laughs> we get suspended what are you gonna do? Call an aggressive strike? But. Your your bow and arrow a little bit too strong. We gotta we gotta run that guy. Uh, he, right. he showed he flexed a little bit on that back. Hey, 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 Matt punched him out a little too aggressively. Right. <laughs> Send him for a piss test, please. Um, you know, so that that was always part of it too. Is you're always like wondering, you know, am I, am I gaining weight? Am I not? Am I am I still? How do I look? My uniforms, the the look in uniform in general was um, critiqued. Um, quite a bit you know is your shirt baggy is it wrinkled and bunched up when it's tucked in are your pants dragging on the ground are there dirt stains are your shoes clean as the mm. are the soles white so you're representing you know the league in as a yeah. whole so they they want to make sure almost like military style yeah they we make were sure. we're technically um and, and like again things may be a little bit different now um because everything's been they got rid of minor league umpire development uh, a couple years ago but like i said when i was there we were we worked for minor league baseball and we're contracted to the leagues. So we represented the, the entire front office of, of minor league baseball. So we were, uh, it was very militant, so to speak. You know? Well, I mean, they, like you said, you're representing them and, and they want to make sure their, their product is as such. And I know you had a, you had a young guy I think he was, he was from Canada. Was he? Yeah. That your partner. Um, yeah. Do you, still communicate with some of the guys are they still involved with with baseball and if, as have any of them i know you you mentioned the yeah. guy's name that got took the 96 mile uh an hour uh fastball to the face you mentioned his name do you still talk to any of those guys quite a few of them um there's um let's see there's probably a handful that are right on right on that verge of triple a and getting into uh into the big leagues there a couple of them worked big league spring um this year which means that's their first step um then next step is getting a number uh assignments um in major league baseball and then working as a call-up you know so um there's a few of them that a couple that have numbers um, a couple of my instructors when i was at umpire school were all they're all minor league guys at the time uh they have now since been hired in i think Five of them have, hmm. um, which is awesome. Um, the Canadian you're talking about, uh, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, he is. A, I talk to him uh, periodically, but we're we are very close. We're good friends. Um, he is killing it. He is doing very well. What what uh, league is he in currently? Uh, he's in AAA. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so he's. Uh, I think he's on the he's on the younger side of things. He was but, very uh, young. He was yeah. very young. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's doing well. So I, I hope to see him, uh, progress. But like I said, a lot of guys, a couple of my partners are, are right on that, uh, cusp of, uh, AAA in the big league. So it's good to see that, uh, uh, which is always fun. Cause then when they come to Detroit, get to hang out. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, JP, do you, uh, you have anything you want to ask Matt? No, I guess, uh, 
What was there any like high profile names that you've called that you remember? You know, like big name guys that you might uh ump the game for. I I I'll I'll answer that because well he can answer it, but I'll I'll jump in. He got nose to nose with Lance Parrish. Really? Uh, I was in the stands like yes. That's great. That's so cool. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, you got you got face to face to face nose nose with Big Wheel? Yeah, Big Wheel. Yeah. He um he oh, was man. Oh boy, he, he Lance was giving it, Matt was giving it back. I, I that was that was a cool moment. Uh, I was scouring uh, my phone trying to find pictures. I knew I took videos of it, but apparently uh, the cloud is congested. I couldn't find it, but uh <laughs> yeah, that was cool, but uh Matt, I'll let you answer then. Uh, yeah, the Lance Parrish that was uh that 2018 start uh, in the Midwest before I went uh to the California League. But uh, all I remember was I think we had back to back fair foul calls, and the first one was a fair ball that Steven called, and uh, as it passed the bag because it's his, um, when it landed, and then second one was mine, Steven was in the infield, and I had a fair ball, and Lance just lost it and uh i wasn't gonna let him go off so we we got nose to nose i let him have it a little bit and that was that was fun but uh yeah i mean you can you can pick out almost any 40 man or any any big league roster and i can pick out yeah i mean i i i off easily off the top of my head um tati's jr uh oh wow guerrero jr wow. Bichette when they were both in lansing um Paven Smith and uh, with the Diamondbacks, as long as they're as well as their catcher Jose Herrera. Um, I mean, yeah, I could I could keep going. Side wow. number: I gave Tatis Jr. A, an equipment violation in the Midwest League. So, <laughs> so he's been, he's been violating for a long time, huh? <laughs> what, what was the violation? He uh, he didn't like a check swing that my partner called, which was funny because I didn't he didn't get mad at me. He was mad at my partner. Um, yeah. so I sneaked down to him. He rang him up on strike three and he drops his bat yeah. and just stares at him and takes his helmet and spikes it. And I said, that's a violation. So I yeah. gave it to him. And after the game, we we're in the, in the clubhouse. He goes, man, you really had to give that to me. I said, yeah. Why do you gotta, why do you gotta spike your helmet? Like you put me on the yeah. spot. I have no choice. Yeah. He goes, okay, well, I'm not going to pay it. The league probably will. So well, you're, you're being critiqued. Right. So if you don't make that call, you're going to get a call. Hey, why didn't you make yeah. it? It's it's safer to make the call. So <laughs> that's but, awesome. That's you pretty decided, cool. You you decided on that maybe age was a hindrance, and yeah. um, you just maybe didn't didn't have the drive to do it anymore. Or what was your reasons for um, deciding to pursue a different career? Um. Cool, cool fact that I often actually forget, but uh, humbles me when I think about it. When I got um, hired into professional baseball, I was on a reserve list that year uh, in the Coastal Plains League. That was the feeder league for uh, MILB. I got a call from my, from at the time, the president, uh, Dusty Dellinger, on Father's Day that I was being promoted into professional baseball so um that was mm. a feeling i will it was it never was forget fate it was um 
I was driving to Fayetteville, North Carolina or South Carolina, whatever it is. North uh, Carolina. There you go. Um, and I, I obviously just cried. Sure. Um, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, but I said, this is what I want to do, right? This is the, the path I want to go on. But the day it becomes a job, I'm out. Because I knew the passion that and drive that I had at that time to be a minor league umpire, professional umpire with aspirations of getting to um, the bigs. But when it becomes a job and I am no longer have that drive or I have other things outside of, you know, that, that won't let me continue, mm-hmm. that's my time. So fast forward, 2018 season was a grind. Um, it's 28 and I'm on the older age of what they, they like to see. Um, I was going into double a and I would have had at least five to six more years before I really figured out if I had a shot at the big leagues, it could have been less if I got the double a and just botched everything. And they're like, yeah, you're not going to see ya. Yeah. Um, but if I got through that and I got into triple a, it's going to put me 33, 34 years old. And I didn't want that to say, well, hey, sorry, we're going to go a different direction. Thanks for your time. That's it. You made that choice. I have nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm starting life at that point. I was essentially starting life over. Mm-hmm. I had some college at the time, but didn't have a degree yet or anything. So um, I said, you know what? I'm going to cut my losses. I'm not enjoying this as much anymore. Um, because there's other things I want to do in life. I want to have a family. Um, was newly married at the time in 18. And I said, this is, this is, this is time, you know? So I was fortunate enough. I worked the, the whole season and worked the, the championship, um, in the California league. So after that, uh, left the hat on home plate and walked off the field. That's awesome. But so, yeah. I guess in relation to what we're trying to achieve with this segment, um, the inspirational aspect is you had a dream yeah, and you put in the work to do it. Um, and it took some, some deep thoughts and some, some deep words from the doctor. Uh, and then your experiences at the school, but the different difference between what you did and, and a lot of other guys, a lot of other men, um, they don't feel they'll ever achieve it but you put in the work, you achieved it, and you have lifelong memories. You've met uh, people that, that you'll probably you know, share life with for the rest of your life, and you get to come on here and talk about it, and, and we're, we're thankful that you're here. And it, the message is don't quit. If you, have a, if you have a dream, and even if it is you know, 24, 25 years old, I mean, I'm 45, and, and, and my dreams have uh, – I'm living my dream right now. <laughs> Love you, dear. Uh, but I wish I would have had the inspiration to continue to go to s- school. I, I chose money over school. I didn't think it was for me. If I could rewind it and put in the work, you know, I would have done that. But, um, you know, it wasn't in the cards for me. Um, so now you're you're doing Ironman challenges. You're, <laughs> you're riding bikes. Why and how? <laughs> um. So 
it was it's like one of those newfound passions right something that you you do once and you're like hey this is kind of neat i'm gonna <laughs> do this for a second time and a third time and then you really find a niche for it and uh part of it's from that lady over there um emily for working at the bike shop uh when i met her got a bike right so after i got out of baseball one of the thing i always said was in being surrounded by all these cyclists and triathletes i said i'm gonna do an iron man one day um but the, the marathon part of it was daunting to me i was like hey i don't know about 26.2 miles uh, but uh, after everything else but uh you know i, I said I'm, I'm gonna do it and uh i started with just doing some gravel uh road races because riding on pavement roads suck with all the traffic no respect out there but um, get hit by a car yeah exactly um so i'd go north a little bit to gravel roads ann arborish area dexter um just north ride. just you know 15 yeah. minutes that way yeah there you go <laughs> uh, in your in your neighborhood um so I, I would do that and started with like 30 mile rides and then i do the the higher of the two distance which is generally around 60 ish miles and uh then one day i just sat down and i said you know what I'm going to do a full Ironman. So I did uh, Traverse City 70.3, which is a half Ironman. Um, I did that, and I loved it. I did did great. I trained did the, the swim, the bike, the run, and um, then I said, you know what? I'm going to gonna double it and go to Louisville for a full. Mm. And that's uh, a totally different animal. <laughs> to to say the least um traverse city was great the water was as, as calm as could be in the morning um had a decent swim i never really swam before but i knew what i had to do right and in the swimming aspect how long uh half iron man is 1.2 miles Oof. so we were in uh in traverse bay uh i think it was east bay um but swam there got out uh got on the bike go road uh went went out to ride 56 miles did that um came back and then ran a half marathon 13.2 so wow. 70.3 uh half iron man and like i said i i felt good uh nutrition was on i think i did that in five hours 45 minutes damn so for for me i was i was stoked you know pros do it in like three hours or something but they're machines so right um so i said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try and do a full i did um insert covid delays blah 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 got to 2021 and i was i ended up having to defer because they got rid of louisville into chattanooga so i went to chattanooga and i will say um chattanooga is probably one of the most from what i've heard at least uh, and i can vouch on that most fun atmosphere and locations for for the iron man um that's where that's where we were when uh the the little lilo decided to go on a 16 day uh journey but anyways yeah they're uh chattanooga they're very welcoming um a lot a lot of locals help out and volunteer and that's what helps run those you know yeah. uh, uh races but um yeah, that's uh full Ironman. First year, first one I did. Um, 
I think it was 14.01.04 was my time. 14 hours, one minute, and four seconds. So oh. to, to try and comprehend that, um, imagine working out nonstop for just 14 hours. I'm tired just <laughs> thinking about it. I think I just threw a hamstring just right? thinking about it. I don't know. Oh, yeah. wow. So well, that one. But you weren't last. No. You were not last. No. So, hey. Yeah. But you, was... you, you started it and you finished it. Yeah. That was, I, I started it. The swim was good and uh, put a pretty pretty fast time for for that. So I uh, got out on the bike. So that was, let me remind you, Tom and, and fellas, the um, full Ironman is 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride. Wow. And a 26.2 full marathon after the fact. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know the and and I say this and you're gonna doubt me. The day goes by pretty quick. I mean, <laughs> oh, I bet you're if if you're not focusing on it. But uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you just named you just named my stats in 32 years of life. <laughs> how many? How yeah. many miles? It was a 26 mile run. Yeah. Yeah, I may have ran 26 miles in the last 20 years. I think I just pulled a butt muscle leaning up in the chair. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so that's yeah. cool. Um, I did that, and I had so much fun. I wanted to go back and do it again. So I did nice. again in 22, except that year was was worse, just a little bit um, with digestion, uh, just having nutrition issues. Mm. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. Which rough. is is and it was a really tough day for me. I ended up um you get transition bags where you you get out of the swim they give you your bike stuff and then you get off the bike you put uh you have your run bag so you take your run stuff out put your bike stuff in the bag and give it to support i put both pairs of socks in my bike bag so when i got off the bike in 22 it was pouring rain for over 90 percent of the ride so i was uh feet were all you know raisined Mm -hmm. and i get off the bike and i'm looking i'm like where's my socks where's my socks yeah shit uh i don't have them so i had to make the decision do i run without socks or do i run with socks the the wet ones that i have and i said you know what at this point it's now 90 degrees it just rained all morning so it's humid as can be and i said you know what i'll dry i should dry out right wrong um Mm. five miles in i start feeling hot spots i'm like oh i'm oh no i'm done this is this is that's it yep and about mile, <laughs> I started feeling blister. And Emily was there at the turn at mile 13. So I get through mile 10, hit to mile 13, and I have blisters that I can feel, and they're just excruciating. And I get to her, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, well, I got blisters. She goes, you went from eight-minute miles to nines, to 11s to 13s what happened and i was like just digestion nutrition blisters right she goes are you gonna stop and i said yeah i need to um i just i I just need to call it i'm not gonna win anything right it's just Mm -hmm. a personal thing yeah but knowing that i would have the dnf letters on my race card as it did not finish would just eat yeah eat at me so she goes well when are you gonna stop so there's a turn where you turn left to go back towards the finish line, which I would have went and handed over my my timing chip or to the right would start loop two. 
And I get to that turn and Emily was uh, kind of behind me. She's like, when are you going to stop? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. See ya. Uh, to the right, I went. And there goes Luke too. And I was like, well, <laughs> here we go. And at that point, I was like, you know what? And in any, any Ironman, I, I feel safe saying this, any Ironman athlete can tell you, you, your mind goes through so many different states of. It's telling you one thing. Yes. And then it's telling you another. Yeah. You you go through your mind visits so many different places in the day where you're having fun and you're enjoying it. And you're just on the bike, just cruising, having a grand old time. And then you get on the run. You're like, I have 26 miles. I'm not to still do. And then you're like, why did I ever do this? You're enter the real dark place. Cause you think yeah. that what, what they do to you is they, you get to the, the turn and you have the second loop to go on a run. So you see everybody making the turn to go to the finish line. That's already, that's, you know, a faster athlete and they're going to finish and they're done. And you're like, I got 13 miles to go still, you know? So they, it, it really puts your mind in a, in a really dark place. Um, but, and that's where I was at that time. I said, you know what? I haven't put in the time, the training, and, and I will say props to, to Emily for dealing with it because, um, Ironman training is not easy because there's imagine. a lot of, a lot of time away from home. Sure. If you're, you're not on a treadmill or a, a, a stationary trainer, uh, but swimming, going to, the, going to the pool or, you know, the lake. So for her to put up with me, you know, very, uh, credit, credit to her over there. Um, <laughs> but, um, I said, I haven't sacrificed all that to, to just give up. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it kind of goes back to obviously our, our, your segment, you know, the, the inspiration, of, of not the mind, the mind, up. the mind power. Yeah. And, and, and finding that. So I, I had to find that within myself. And I said, you know what? I can't run anymore. The blisters when, when I, I, I tell you it was the size of my palm from left to right side of my foot was just a massive blister. Mm. So the most excruciating pain I've, I've felt. And that was, I, I still had 13 miles to go, you know, so I just battled it. Uh, on my heels, the sides of my feet. I did whatever I had to do. Got through, got fin uh, to the end, finished, and it was over. It was like fifteen something hours, um, wow. but I finished. Yeah, you know, and and that, yeah. that was the point of it is is just digging down deep. Those three, those three letters. Yeah, that that's all it took. It yeah. just changed your whole drive and your mentality because mm -hmm. you did not want to see those three letters. Yeah. That's, that's, that's powerful, man. That's, that's, and 90, 98, 99% people probably would have hit the right instead of the left, right? At that loop. And, uh, uh, and nobody would have thought any less of them for doing so. Right. But that drive, and I don't think everyone has that drive to say, that's not good enough. Yeah. And I'm going to finish it. But that poses another issue. Now you you got a longer time than the last time. So yeah. are we going to be doing another Ironman challenge? At some point, I will. At some point. At some point. Um, other things on the plate right now. Sure. To to tackle. Um, but I want to, I want to do some distance, uh, just gravel racing. Um, there's some some races out there in the country. One was just this weekend called Unbound. Uh, it's one of the most uh, popular gravel races. Um, and there's one in Michigan. You go from Lud or, uh, 
from all gray across the states um, to Ludington, I believe. Wow. Finish. Wow. Uh, this is like 210 miles. So I, I got some of that stuff I want to do. And, and I got burnout uh, uh, 21 yeah. and 22. I did. That makes sense. Uh, I did two half Ironmans and a full Ironman. That's a, um, two years in a row. That's a chunk. So, um, again, props to Emily for dealing with me because yeah. I, I wasn't around a lot, which put her to deal with the dogs, you know, but uh, she allowed me to tackle that and, and have a lot of fun. So, uh, but now, just like I said, some other stuff on the plate that I want to tackle, but I will do uh, another, another full, whether I go to a different uh, venue or just go back to Chattanooga because that's how fun it is. It's a great, uh, a great venue, but I'll, I'll do it again at some point. Sweet. Well, we definitely will be following your journey and uh, rooting you on. Maybe I'll go down there and uh, Chattanooga is a fun, <laughs> fun town. It's a fun town. I, I, I will be on the sidelines like I was when the Christina did her half marathon. Uh, matter of fact, I think probably 12 of the uh, 13 point whatever miles uh, i was still sleeping um and i i made it to the finish line and i did not see her fit cross the finish line which uh oh, somebody no. uh somebody spotted me i don't know how it on the sidelines after he finished but uh yeah so um rich uh, i know you had to step away for a minute uh, you got any uh thing you want to say before we wrap up this segment no i mean i i you know, like i I said before, thanks for coming on. And I mean, just hearing from somebody else's perspective on how they uh, overcame some challenges, you know, one of the challenges, you know, you had a goal that you wanted to set. And just like you said about, you know, having the image, right. I, I, a friend is a, uh, a football official and that's one of his biggest things that he's having to go through right now is, you know, he gets selected for, you know, some division one stuff, but you know, it's appearance, you know, it's not that he can't run down the sideline and, you know, make the calls and stuff like that. It, the skill is there. Uh, the know-how is there, but it's, it's the look and, and, you know, and I see him every day he's, you know, he, he's putting the work in and he's doing what he can. So, I mean, it's very inspiring to hear that somebody uh, was able to, um, take that goal and, may, and turn it into motivation and not only to achieve a goal and, and, and pursue a dream that you wanted to, right. But then it also allowed you to become a healthier person. And then also during the course of all that, what did it do? You ended up finding out that there's some other hobbies out there. You like, like, uh, you know, Ironmans and stuff like that. Now I got a quick question about Ironman contest. Um, what if I had uh, an e-bike uh, do you think they would let me in that at all or no? Cause I mean, I can, I can run, um, but the, uh, the, e, I mean, I'd want to get maybe like an e-bike maybe. Do you think that'll work out? 56 miles on an, 56 miles on an e-bike. I got that. Uh, no, there is a, a, uh, a strong, <laughs> uh, brown and deny, um, <sighs> to e-bikes on, uh, on an air. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, he can't do it. He can't do it. He can't do it. <laughs> so, JP, well, you got any, you got anything to say before we wrap up this segment? Uh no, just kudos on that. My brother actually did a half finished a half marathon today. 
at just under eight minutes a mile, and he said it was probably the hardest thing he ever did. So uh, what you were just talking about seemed like the hardest thing he ever did amplified, so that's pretty wild. So I just uh, – kudos for that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, again, thank you so much, Matt, for – for joining us, I know you had to battle with some traffic getting over here. Oh, Matt, nice. Matt lives on the east side, uh, and uh, yeah, I guess the the six ninety the six ninety six traffic bit him a little bit. Uh, so, but he made it for the show. Thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, um, your absolutely. your story definitely is inspiring, and I hope somebody will listen or see it and realize that you know what, there's a chance, and even if yeah. there's a little bit of a chance, it's there's, worth it. There's always always a chance. It's just about finding it and, and you know and just making it happen for sure um, at the time when i went through all the weight loss it was i was in school full-time and working you know after i lost my dad i was living at home with mom so it was work full-time and school part-time or the opposite you know so it was always after work and school that i go to the gym i was gone from 7 a.m till pretty much like 9 10 wow. o'clock at night home to sleep wow. and then do it all over yeah, again. Yeah, and, and that was honestly like two years of my life. Mm-hmm. And I lived off of brown rice, sweet potatoes. Uh, chicken. Yes, chicken and uh, um, eggs. Sounds like Mr. Clyde's meal plan. So. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you right now. So, you know, to go back, I mean, starting in um, January, I, I quit drinking beer and liquor and everything like that. And, and yeah, what I have been drinking has been what we call the non-alcoholic type, as as Terry Sloan calls it, near beer. Near is <laughs> a near beer, but uh, but you know, I also I came to like an you know, kind of like an epiphany where it was like I got I got to do something. So I mean, from the beginning of the year till now, um, I've lost twenty five pounds, so I feel a lot better. But I could probably afford to lose probably about twenty five more, but. Great job, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I I talk about it, but it, it it never happens. So one of these days, this show probably will inspire me to uh, uh, get Drink out more of bed beer, and, get out get out of bed <laughs> in the morning. Uh, you, I'll have you know, straight Bucky's water. That's all I've had today. So I had a, a five pound weight loss shit earlier, and then I, <laughs> and then I had chicken. I had some chicken shack before the show. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. Of course, of course, JP comes in uh, with the um, backdoor reference and uh, to lead us into our one of our favorite segments here, fellas. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Well, there's a little hiccup there. New internet thought everything was going to go smooth, but there's some hiccups. We'll get through it. Um, probably because it, it launched faster than you probably th- thought it was it, going it, to. It may have. It was a little too fast for my fingers. But uh, um, this is the segment of the show where we throw you a bet. You take it to the apps, win some money, and hey, who knows? Maybe you'll throw us a few bucks here and there. So, JP, clearly it ain't your money. Not my problem. 
What you got this uh, week? I went uh, the game tonight. I got Denver at minus eight and a half, and I uh, paired that with Michael Porter Jr. over two and a half threes at plus 188. Not too bad. Not too bad. I don't have an update of the score because, uh, you know, YouTube doesn't let us see uh, live live things as we're going live. But, uh, Rich, it's not your money. Ain't my problem. What you got? Are, right, you, so are you prepared this week? Are you prepared? I am. Yes. I am prepared. All right. For a change, I'm prepared. All right, so according to FanDuel, we got a uh, uh, plus 104 uh, on the uh, under with the Vegas Golden Knights and the uh, – Jesus Christ, I, the Panthers. Uh, but the, the under is uh, five and a half. I think this next game is going to be uh, a little more uh, goaltending showing, so I'm going to take the under on the five and a half. Nice. Uh, it's similar. Similar. I took the same game. I'm going under. It was uh, fan or uh, DraftKings was plus 105. So, I mean, they're all about the same for the under five and a half. I'm going to take Panthers money line here. Um I think they'll 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 kind of keep their head right and and Bobrovsky's gonna get it right. So it's money lines plus one twenty. So I think they're gonna go back to uh what is it? Uh Paradise, Florida, wherever they play. Sunrise. <laughs> sunrise, sunrise. sunrise <laughs> uh they're gonna go back and they're gonna steal one from the, the Golden Knights. So uh tomorrow night that'll be good. Um so we're gonna go ahead and close out the show here. Uh, I got, I got one. More. Oh, oh, we got one. I got some, some goodies for the, the speakeasy. So oh, there's a few things in there, uh, Mr. Tom. So if okay, you can uh, have some additions for the. Oh, very good. You the, you want me to open yeah, it? Yeah, you can oh, okay. Pull pull. There's like I said, I think three or four oh. different things in there, oh. so you go one at a time. So oh, there do you have any? Do you have any room in there? <laughs> I will make room. I will make room. Uh, that's a Fourth of July hat from one of the uh, one of the years. Uh, oh, nice! They gave to the umpires. So, what what oh. size is that? Seven and an eighth. Oh, that'll fit Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Got that. Oh. Okay. 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 Oh, I know where this going. is going. Oh, yes. Put put that up in the. Got the uh, the rafters for you. Oh, it's going in the Speakeasy VIP column. Does that does that one have Jim Joyce's signature on it? <laughs> That's your. There's, uh, there's two more. Is, oh, there's yeah. more. Oh shit! Hey, get to the bottom of the bag, man. Okay, okay. There's a little bunch of little extras. Oh. We got a California League ball. Put that on the All right. Yeah, on we'll get shelf. we'll get a stand for that. And. Oh. Uh, there's one uh, just from uh, from one of the Michigan uh, half Ironmans. Oh, so sweet! Have some kicking off the new segment. Uh, it was a oh. uh, pleasure to to share that with awesome, you guys. That's awesome. Whatnot, that so. that's gonna that's yeah. Gonna, yeah. I'm gonna put a, little... a nice special place for that. Thank you, Matt. Sure. Yeah, that, that's man. awesome. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Man, that yeah. that blows me away. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate oh, that. Get the Kleenex yeah. out. Well, well, you know, hey, hey. <laughs> and that's the point of the segment. Get the Kleenex yeah. out, man. Get it's the Kleenex okay. out. Absolutely. It, it's okay to show emotion. It is. Rich, Rich teases me all the time because, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't consider it teasing. I don't. It's not teasing. It's oh. called toughening you up a little bit. 
<laughs> it's to toughen you up a little bit. Uh, but you know, it's it's a byproduct of growing up with three sisters. I I I have you know a sensitive side, uh, and it okay. comes out. It comes out, and it, it is who I am. Yeah. It is who I am, and, and that it, is okay. It, it is okay. That that <laughs> is okay. <laughs> and oh, and yeah. I don't no, care man. what you say, Rich Jasper. Um, so <laughs> we're gonna go to you first, tough guy. Uh, closing thoughts. <laughs> what do you got to say before we end this thing tonight? <laughs> Call me. That's funny. Uh, no closing thoughts. You know this. Uh, you know this is a new segment on the show, um, and I think it was long overdue. And it's actually it kind of parlayed into. Remember my. Um, uh, I was going to start an, up a, another cast or whatever. Uh, just kind of about exactly what Matt. Uh, Matt talked about, you know, it's, you know, roads never taken, right. You know, it's kind of one of those things is, um, is what the theme of that was going to be. And, and, and I think that, uh, that hit it right on the head. If I had more time, I probably would have started up something like that, but I don't have time. I barely have time to get on here on Sundays, but, um, but no, I mean, I, I think it was, um, it's very good to allow people to, to tell their story and everybody has one. Right. Um, yeah. and I, I was glad that uh, he was able to uh, come and, and share it with us. And it's a very, uh, it's a very motivating and, and a very uh, enlightening story about uh, uh, overcoming things and, and pursuing dreams. Absolutely. And, and I think the goal here is if we can, you know, reach out to one person and if one person decides that what they hear tonight or in, in the next segments that we'll have that they need to do something to change their life, then our job is done. Yep. JP, what are your closing thoughts tonight? Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback off what Rich said. Uh, you know, Matt, thanks for coming out and uh, accepting some of my foolery and <laughs> these guys know how I am, uh, but it's cool. I think it's cool to have a different segment. You know, we, we want to continue to do some different stuff and, Look forward to having some different people on and getting different perspectives and maybe branching off of uh, just uh, everyday sports. Yeah, I mean, I think we all come from different walks. We've all have different experiences. And to be able to, you know, branch out and tell our stories and to have people come in and tell their stories, um, I think that just shows you – where our growth has come. And I think the, the, the end result is we're going to be better men for it. We're going to be better fathers. JP's a new father. How old is the little one now? Uh, she's a month. She's, she's a month. So, um, <laughs> so we're, we're getting to see the evolution of JP before our eyes, which is really cool. So, and, and, and she hasn't tried to smother you in your sleep yet. <laughs> no, no, not yet. And, she, and she's a little, uh, yeah, she's, she doesn't really know what's going on yet, but she'll figure it out one day. Yes, she will. She will. And Rich has got two boys, the teenagers, and you know, there's there's trials and tribulations involved with that. I've got two uh, teenage stepdaughters, and there's a whole lot of trials and tribulations with that. So I think the end result is we're all going to be better for it. So again, Matt, yeah. thanks so much, uh, and thank you for the gifts. This is overwhelming. Um, I cannot wait to get them hanging and and posted them up and be proud I'm, I'm proud of it that's awesome man thank you so much um but moving on next week we'll be back um maybe the tigers will be <laughs> doing some different things uh, uh -huh. I, i'm sure 
I'm sure we're, we'll um, we'll hear a little bit more about the lines, where, where they're going to go. Will DeAndre Hopkins sign? Um, who knows? Will he go to Cleveland? I don't think he comes to Detroit, but that's a whole other story. Uh, and the NBA and NHL finals, will they be done? Maybe not. So we'll we'll be talking about that. But, again, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody out there yep. for, for watching. And um, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to catching you right back here next week for another fun-filled episode of Easy Speak at Speakeasy 330. Cheers. Cheers.